أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمد عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك لعبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد Welcome to another episode of our Tafsir page by page and inshallah ta'ala today we are on page number 13 of the first juz Surah Al-Baqarah and in the previous episode, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had spoken to us or mentioned the verses concerning Bani Israel. And as we've seen now throughout this surah, uh, even though we're still relatively towards the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah, but it is a surah that on a number of occasions already has spoken at some length and in some detail concerning this nation of people, Bani Israel. And we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent to Bani Israel many prophets and they received divine revelation, books that Allah revealed to them over the ages and the generations and via their various messengers from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah specifies or He highlights Bani Israel in this surah to show to us the mistakes that they made. And that is that often in issues of aqeedah, in belief, in our worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there is a certain level and a certain way that we should behave and a certain way that we should submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah Azza wa is showing to us that just because you may have a prophet or that you may have divine revelation doesn't necessarily mean that you will do what is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah Azza wa shows that the people of Bani Israel made a number of mistakes. They fell into a number of the traps of shaitan. And one of the traps of shaitan that they fell into and one of the misguidances that they were upon is that they would choose and cherry pick part of their religions and part of their revelation. They would choose what was appropriate for them to believe in and they would ignore the other parts of revelation that they decided themselves was inappropriate for them or maybe difficult for them to follow. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to us a number of examples. From those examples is what Allah Azza then mentions at the beginning of page number 13 in verse number 84. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ وَإِذْ أَخَذْنَا مِيثَاقَكُمْ لَا تَسْفِكُونَ دِمَاءَكُمْ وَلَا تُخْرِجُونَ أَنفُسَكُمْ مِنْ دِيَارِكُمْ ثُمَّ أَقْرَرْتُمْ وَأَنْتُمْ تَشْهَدُونَ We took and remember when we took a pledge, a covenant from you, that you do not shed one another's blood or drive one another away from your homelands. You acknowledged it at the time and you can testify to this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this surah, he mentions a number of pledges, a number of covenants that he took from Bani Israel. And the meaning of these pledges and these covenants is that this is the sharia that they were given. These were the instructions that they were given either on the tongues of their messengers or in the divine revelations that they received from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says that from the covenants, from the pledges, from the things that they agreed to, when they accepted their religion, just as we as Muslims have agreed to do a number of things. You can't be a Muslim and say, I don't want to pray. You can't be a Muslim and refuse to give zakah. These are things that we have taken a pledge, a covenant with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to uphold by the very virtue of us being Muslims. So likewise, with Bani Israel from the covenants that Allah took from them, is that they would not shed one another's blood. This is something which was always with Bani Israel in their Sharia and in their religion, just as it is the same in our religion. 
in Islam, it's not allowed for us to commit murder or to shed the innocent blood of others. But Allah is mentioning this by way of, of, of uh, highlighting the situation of Bani Israel or the Jewish tribes that used to live in Medina during the time of the Prophet We know that before the Hijrah, the tribes of Medina, the two premier major tribes of Medina that would later form the Ansar, those two tribes of Arabs being the Aus and the Khazraj, were engaged in civil war. They were two tribes that lived in the same place, but because of their competing interests, they would often often be fighting and killing amongst them. Within Medina and surrounding Medina, there were three Jewish tribes that settled, Banu Nadir, Banu Quraidah, and Banu Qaynuqa. And these three tribes took the sides of one of these two Arab tribes, either the Aus and the Khazraj. And so they would have essentially allies, and they would have an alliance between themselves and between these two Arab tribes. So some of them are with, some of those Jewish tribes are with the Aus, some of them are with the Khazraj. So when they would be fighting with one another, the Aus and the Khazraj, their allies from amongst the Jewish tribes would take their side and would help them in that killing. And what they would do as a result of that killing is that they would break this covenant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that they are killing one another. So one Jewish tribe is fighting another Jewish tribe. And Allah said, do not drive one another from your homelands because part of that fighting was to exile. Part of that fighting is that you take the wealth of others. Part of the fighting is that you're taking prisoners of war. And then once they had settled their disputes or that particular stage of fighting was over, then they would give back their, you know, they would ransom one another uh, in terms of their, of their, of their prisoners of war and, and their wealth and so on and so forth. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that this is something which you were doing despite the covenant that Allah took from you. And this is very similar to the situation, unfortunately, of many Muslims. That there are a number of covenants that Allah takes upon us by virtue of us being Muslims that we know from the Quran, from the Sunnah of the Prophet But How often do you see Muslims not praying? How often do you see Muslims not giving zakah? How often do you see Muslims engaging in the haram, murder, uh, taking alcohol, engaged in interest in riba, and so many other things that they are engaged in, even though they know it is something which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prohibited. And that is why Allah Azza wa Jal concludes verse number 84, and He says, أقررتم, You acknowledged it at the time, and you can testify to this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then in verse number 85, He continues and He says, saying that despite this, despite this covenant that you had taken, what is your reality? ثُمَّ أَنْتُمْ هَؤُلَاءِ تَقْتُلُونَ أَنفُسَكُمْ وَتُخْرِجُونَ فَرِيقًا مِنْكُمْ مِنْ دِيَارِهِمْ تَظَاهَرُونَ عَلَيْهِمْ بِالْإِثْمِ وَالْعُدْوَانِ Yet here you are, Allah says, killing one another and driving some of your own people from their homes, helping one another in sin and aggression against them. Allah says in 84, in verse 84, these are the covenants that we took. You won't kill, you won't exile one another from your homeland, you won't, you won't make one another leave their homes and so on and so forth. You won't sin and transgress against one another. Allah is saying that is the covenant we took and now you here, meaning you, the people of Bani Israel in the time of the Prophet this is your reality that you are choosing to engage in the very things that you are prohibited from. You are choosing to break the covenant and the oath that Allah took from you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues and he says, If they come to you as captives, you still pay to set them free, although you had no right to drive them out. 
So now when they're fighting these Jewish tribes, and maybe one Jewish tribe is fighting the other, and the, this tribe overcomes the second, and so they have captives of war, prisoners of war that they take. Once the fighting is has stopped, so what they've done essentially is that they removed those people during war, and as a result of that war, from their homes. They've taken them as captives, as prisoners. They have imprisoned them, and the prisoner, as we know, has very many less rights than a person who is free. So now this person who's a captive and prisoner of war, once the fighting has stopped, they know that what they did, this very action of theirs, is wrong. It goes against their teachings and it goes against the, the guidance that they were given in their divine revelation. So now rather than just returning them, they will ransom them, ransom them instead, taking money in exchange for the freedom of these prisoners, even though they did what was wrong in the first place. So now it is as if there is a double wrong. And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَفَتُؤْمِنُونَ بِبَعْضِ الْكِتَابِ وَتَكْفُرُونَ بِبَعْضِ Allah Azza wa says, so do you believe in some parts of the scripture and you reject other parts of it? Is this your reality? That you believe in the parts of the scripture, some of it, the one that suits you, and you disbelieve in the other parts of the scripture that don't suit you. So for example, they believe in the part that says that they can ransom. The ransom is something which they're allowed to, they'll take that because it gives them money. But they disbelieve in other parts. Allah Azza just said to them, don't kill, don't expel people from their homelands. They reject that part of the scripture. And this is one of the major uh, downfalls or pitfalls of any person or any of the nations that came before. And that is that over time they would choose certain parts of their religion that they would consider to be convenient and they would accept them. And the parts that they considered to be inconvenient for one reason or another, they would refuse to obey them. And that is why when the Prophet ﷺ said to us as the Muslims, indeed you will follow the footsteps of those who came before you, meaning that you will do as they did before. Today you only have to look around our own families, our communities, our neighborhoods, the Muslim Ummah in general, to see that often it is the case that we as Muslims, and none of us are exempt from this, we as Muslims often choose parts that we like and leave the parts that we don't like. The things that are easy for us, we'll say we're Muslim. But the things that we find difficult, some of the ahkam, some of the rulings, some of the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, some of the prohibitions of Allah azza wa we leave them, and that is essentially choosing parts of the book to believe in and denying other parts of the book. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives a warning at the end of verse number 85 and he says, فَمَا جَزَاءُ مَنْ يَفْعَلُ ذَلِكَ مِنْكُمْ إِلَّا خِزْيٌ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَيَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ يُرَدُّونَ إِلَىٰ أَشَدِّ الْعَذَابِ وَمَا اللَّهُ بِغَافِلٍ عَمَّا تَعْمَلُونَ Allah Azza wa says that the punishment of you, for the punishment for those of you who do this, will be nothing. But disgrace in this life and on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, the day of resurrection, they will be condemned to the harshest torment. Indeed, Allah is not unaware of that which you do. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives these people a stark warning. And that is the threat of punishment. In this life, they will have disgrace. عَذَابُ الْخِزِّ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا أو خِزْيٌ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا They will have disgrace in this world. And the disgrace that Allah gives to those people is that ultimately they will always fail. So in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ would conquer the whole of Medina. He would then go on to conquer all of the Arabian Peninsula. And so they, 
despite their wanting to be people of power and privilege, of prestige and so on, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala disgraces them in this life and humiliates them. Just as those people who engage in haram and they choose the haram instead of the halal, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take away barakah and blessing from their wealth, from their families, from their offspring. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tries them and tests them in so many ways. Those people who have wealth, even the greatest amount of wealth, if they don't have contentment of the heart, they don't have inner peace and happiness, they don't have joy and all they feel is that they're being attacked in one way or another or they feel that people are always after their possessions and their wealth that they can't trust anyone around them that everyone around them is only is only with them because of what who they are or what they possess that is not a life of contentment and so that person despite having the trappings of the dunya and despite having the adornments of this life despite having all of the treasures of this world they still live a life of disgrace of humiliation they find that they have no inner peace and no inner joy and you only have to look at a segment of those people that you find in the news or on the internet and so on that you will find that their lives don't really necessarily have the peace and contentment that the outsider will think that they would possess by a simple virtue of them possessing money or fame or houses and cars and so on and so forth and that is what Allah warns them of and then he gives an even harsher warning subhanahu wa ta'ala and that is that when they will return to Allah on the day of judgment they return to an even harsher punishment that they will have a greater punishment before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah is not unaware Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not ignorant of what it is that these people are doing when they choose to believe in parts of the book and they reject other parts of the book Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala summarizes these people and what it is that they do their actions and he says in verse number 86 subhanahu wa ta'ala these are the people who buy the life of this world at the price of the hereafter they have sold the akhirah the hereafter to buy the 50 60 70 years or whatever it is that they have of this dunya they have essentially made an exchange you see, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the believers, as will be mentioned later on in the Quran, when we come, inshallah ta'ala, to Surah Al-Tawbah, إِنَّ اللَّهَ اشْتَرَى مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ أَنفُسَهُمْ وَأَمْوَالَهُمْ بِأَنَّ لَهُمُ الْجَنَّةِ Allah Azza wa Jal has purchased from the believers their lives and their wealth and exchange He will give to them Jannah. So for the believers, they sacrifice their life, they sacrifice their wealth, in obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So your whole life is one of worship. Your whole life is one of submitting to Allah azza wa jal. Your wealth is used to doing that which is halal and is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you essentially exchange what you have been given of your life in this world and your wealth for what is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and in return Allah azza wa jal gives to you Jannah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the disbelievers have made a different bargain. They've made a different transaction. Their transaction is one in which they sold off the akhirah and instead they have bought this world. As for the believer, we've sold the dunya for the eternity of the happiness of the akhirah by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy and his permission. And so Allah Azza says that those people who look at this life and it is one of the most difficult parts of the dunya, that when you're in it, you become indulged within it. When you live within this dunya, the trappings of it make it difficult to focus and super focus on what it is that you have to really spend all of your time and effort on, and that is the akhirah. And that is because when you're in this world, 
within the daily grind of this dunya, within the problems that you face and the challenges, the hopes and dreams that you have for yourself and for your children and for your offspring, it is difficult to sometimes divorce yourself from that and to take a bigger perspective or to see something which is further beyond the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years of what is the dunya. But that is what Allah Azza wa commands the believers to do. And that is the way that the mu'mineen should be. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that when it comes to the disbelievers, because their iman in Allah Azza wa is weak or non-existent, because their iman and belief in Yawm al-Qiyamah, the day of judgment, is weak or maybe non-existent, because of that weakness or non-existent faith in those aspects of belief, those people have no issue or they don't find it so difficult to make that exchange. Or perhaps it's because of the belief, as Allah Azza wa Jal mentioned in the previous verses that we already covered, that they think that at the very worst, Allah will only punish them for a day or a couple of days or a few days. It is a small time of punishment, and in return, I will enjoy the dunya and do as I please and live as I please. That type of thinking, it is from the whisperings and temptations of shaitan. And it is from the ways that shaitan distracts a person from Allah, diverts a person away from the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala until they go further and further away. So Allah Azza wa says that those people have bought the life of this world in exchange for the hereafter. And what is not said but it is implicitly understood is what a terrible transaction there is. It is loss making to spend your life of this world doing as you please and living how you please, not submitting to Allah, even though you have no guarantee that you may live beyond a few days or weeks or months or years, and in exchange you have sold off what is eternal happiness, what is eternal bliss and reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why Allah Azza wa Jal concludes verse 86 and he says, فَلَا يُخَفَّفُ عَنْهُمُ الْعَذَابُ وَلَا هُمْ Allah Azza wa Jal says, their torment will not be lightened, nor will they be helped. Those people, their punishment will never become lightened. The punishment of the fire never has any respite. There is no rest. There is no turning down of the temperature of the fire. There is no less fire on some days than other days. Never will it be lightened. And nor will they ever be helped. The eternity of the fire means exactly that. That the eternal punishment of the fire at its gravest or most heightened range will continue to be like that for the rest of eternity. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives the people of Bani Israel, He gives them this reminder of the blessings that Allah Azza wa placed upon them, that they know better, that they should know that they should make this transaction of this world for the next, that Allah Azza wa gave to them a divine revelation, sent to them prophets and messengers so that they would be aware of what it is that is truly lasting and beneficial. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse number 87, وَلَقَدْ آتَيْنَا مُوسَى الْكِتَابَ وَقَفَّيْنَا مِنْ بَعْدِهِ بِالرُّسُلِ Allah Azza wa says, Indeed, we gave to Musa alayhi salam the scripture, and we sent down messengers after him in succession. Musa alayhi salatu was was not the first of the prophets of Bani Israel. There would be many that would come after him in succession the likes of Dawood and Sulaiman and Yahya and 
Zachariah, and Isa alayhim salatu wasalam, and others whose names we do not know of. Some of them, their stories are mentioned in the Quran, but their names are not told to us. And other times we know that they came, but we don't know their stories or their names. Allah says that this is from Allah's greatest blessings upon you, that Allah sent to you not only prophets and messengers, but he gave to you revelation in, in, in by way of the Torah that was given to Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. Allah Azzawajal says, وَآتَيْنَا عِيسَ بْنَ مَرْيَمَ الْبَيِّنَاتِ وَأَيَّدَنَاهُ بِرُوحِ الْقُدُسِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And likewise we sent down Jesus the son of Mary, we gave to him clear signs and strengthened him with the Holy Spirit. From the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon the extension of Bani Israel, which is the Christians that then will come, is that they had further revelation by way of Isa alayhi salatu wasalam. And that Allah azza wa gave to him the Injil. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to him the gospel. And Allah azza wa gave to him help by Ruh al-Qudus. Ruh al-Qudus, according to the vast majority of the scholars of Tafsir, is a title for the angel Jibreel alayhi salatu wasalam. And that Allah azza wa helped him with the miracles that he gave him by way of Jibreel alayhi salatu wasalam, and he strengthened him and honored him. And these are all from the blessings that Allah azza wa bestowed upon the people of Bani Israel. How did they respond to revelation? How did they respond to the prophets and messengers? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَفَكُلَّمَا جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولٌ بِمَا لَا تَهْوَىٰ أَنفُسُكُمُ اسْتَكْبَرْتُمْ فَفَرِيقًا فَفَرِيقًا كَذَّبَتُمْ وَفَرِيقًا تَقْتُلُونَ So how is it that whenever, whenever a messenger brings you something you do not like, you become arrogant, calling some imposters and killing others. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that these prophets and messengers that came to you, and they would come to you with guidance from Allah Azza wa Jal. They would come with the message of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. They would come with instructions from Allah Azza wa Jal. So what would they do to them? Istakbartum. You would show arrogance. Like for example, the Prophet of Allah Azza wa Jal, Isa alayhi salatu wasalam, when he goes, the Jews refuse to accept him. When our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasalam came, the Jews and the Christians refused to accept him. So they show a level of arrogance that they believe that their prophet or their way is the only way and that they're not willing to accept the message or further instruction from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah says, فَفَرِيقًا كَذَّبْتُمْ Some of them you denied, you rejected, you called them false prophets, you made them out to be imposters like Isa alayhi salatu wasalam and like our prophet sallallahu alayhi wasalam وَفَرِيقًا تَقْتُلُونَ And a group from amongst those prophets you murdered and you killed. And it is said, for example, that the prophets Zakaria and Yahya والسلام, were from amongst those prophets that were killed and Allah Azza wa knows best. But the point here being that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that from the ways that people used to react to their prophets and messengers is that they would kill them. They would kill them and they would slaughter them. And that is therefore a warning from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah Azza wa says, what is a worse way or what is a more, uh, a more evil, more horrible way of responding to the revelation that comes from Allah and the messengers and prophets that Allah sends, that you respond by killing them, by rejecting them, by calling them to be false. And this is exactly what the, the Quraysh tried to do with the Prophet And the Quraysh are not a people who have previous prophets, they don't have previous revelation. They're not like the Jews and the Christians that can claim that they had different prophets that came over time and revelations and they understand how this works. The Quraysh. When the Prophet ﷺ came to them, 
at times they attempted to kill him. And at other times, they just simply called him a liar or an imposter or mad or crazy or a poet or all of those terms that we are familiar with that Allah Azza wa mentions in the Quran. So their reaction is similar to the reaction of the people of Bani Israel and what they did to their prophets as well. But the people of Bani Israel, Allah Azza wa is saying, should know better because of the revelation that they had, because of the guidance that they were given. So likewise, we as Muslims today, when Allah Azza has given to you the Quran, what claim can you make that you didn't know? What claim that do we have before Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala that we had no knowledge, that we didn't understand? When revelation has been given to us and we have the Quran before us, in all of its beauty and in all of its glory, and we have the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam preserved, recorded, studied, taught even till today, how can then we go and claim that we don't know or that we have no knowledge? It is also a type of rejection of the guidance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why Allah Azza wa Jalla in the final verse on this page, page number 88, he says, So what do they say instead, these people? They say our hearts are impenetrably wrapped against whatever you say. They've been covered to the extent that no knowledge will come to us. We don't understand, no guidance will penetrate this. This is the excuse that they have. Oh Allah, we couldn't understand. Our hearts were covered and sealed in such a way that we didn't understand this further message and instruction that came from you. Allah Azza wa responds, But Allah has rejected them or cursed them for their disbelief, for indeed they have little faith. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that is not an excuse. They chose to disobey Allah, to disbelieve and reject, and so they went further into that rejection. But this is the excuse that they use. And so when a person says, my heart is covered, I can't understand my heart, cannot, cannot receive guidance, then Allah Azza makes the case that to be the case, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prevents them from receiving the guidance that they themselves say that they cannot receive. And so Allah Azza gives warning to us as Muslims that we shouldn't behave in that way that we should be people who welcome guidance, that we should be people who go and study and learn what Allah has taught us and has given to us of this guidance, lest we follow in the footsteps of the people of Bani Israel and those who came before us. Barakallahu feekum wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.